Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Two. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Understand that, yeah, we're the best team in the NBA and there's a swagger that comes behind that too, but understanding that we just felt the loss before and we don't want to go back to that feeling just because we won a series. It's not like the end all. So for us, it's, yeah, we're the number one team in the, in the regular season, but at the end of the day, it's like a high school kid, number one ranked kid going to college. It doesn't mean nothing. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like you, those rankings, everything starts over at zero, zero. Uh, they won a series. We won a series. All right, we won the five, they won the seven. So at the end of the day, it's zero, zero. Um, none of that stuff before matters. We got to go there and lace them up and, and get ready to go. Uh, split story of the day brought to you by Sound Sleep Medical. Do you snore at night or are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Sound Sleep Medical can improve your life. Visit soundsleepmedical.com. That was Donovan Mitchell, Jazz Clippers tonight. Game one, 8 o'clock here at Vivint Arena, pregame at 7. Donovan Mitchell acknowledging that the Jazz are the best team in the NBA. I like that. A little swagger in his, in his comments, you know. But he said, you know, business to take care of. But. You know, I think there is disrespect to start in this series, considering that the Clippers did tank to follow this path, right? A little bit, yeah. Now, some people will say, oh, well, they were avoiding the Lakers. But uh, the truth is they saw the Jazz as a better second-round matchup than the Lakers. So, yeah, they did kind of tank to get this, which is a tad disrespectful, I would say. And the Jazz will have an uphill battle because uh, the news today, Mike Conley will be out. Yesterday, they said he participated partially in practice, but uh, is not yet good to go. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how long it's going to be. I went these games every other day. Uh, makes you, makes you, gives you pause a little bit because he is so important to the Jazz against the Clippers. The Clippers have fits with him. They don't know what to do with him. And so that, that's, a, that's a big deal. So we'll, we'll send up, uh, all kidding aside, Jake, we'll send up positive vibes from Mike Conley. Yeah, no doubt, and um, the the training staff I'm sure is uh, is doing everything possible to to get him where he needs to be. Yeah. So, let me ask you a couple things. First of all, look at what the Nets are doing against the Bucks without James Harden, who has the hamstring. So, don't look for any sympathy. Don't look for anything other than full bore ahead. Uh, but a question for you. Jake, will will we see out of the Clippers in this series that switching defense? Oh yeah, lots. And because that's kind of what the, the what the Nets are doing to the Bucks, you know, and that's working out nicely for them. However, um, I, I think Rudy Gobert is a little better than uh, who is it, Lopez? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I it, I just I, it's this switching defense is fascinating to me because you and I have talked about how what teams can do to beat it uh, and I watched a bunch I watched the game last night and then I watched some of the highlights and I was I could see what the Nets were doing and we always make fun of the Nets for not playing any defense but they were switching and they were playing some defense on occasion. And it was confusing the Bucks. Now, the Bucks themselves have tried that switching defense at times. And so it's kind of funny. I mean, you can beat this thing if, if, you, if you make smart decisions and you, you, you go iso ball when it's necessary and when you hit your shots. Because as I'm watching the Bucks, they're missing their shots. And you can give the Nets all the credit in the world 
for their switching defense. But I saw some open looks that they were just flat missing. And that was a bad game last night. That was that was really ugly. But anyway, so I, I was trying to transplant that from that series into this one and what the Jazz can do to take care of that business. So, I, you know, not to get too in-depth into my philosophy on this, because we've talked a lot about the uh-huh. switching defense over the years because it has been uh, something the Jazz have, uh, have struggled with. But the this, this switching defense is a way to cheat. There's a reason that the Nets are playing it, because you're not necessarily defending the other team straight up. You're, you're switching all the picks. And the idea is that if you have versatile enough defenders, one through five, you're not going to have a mismatch when you switch. Right. Because think back to, like, mid-2000s, Gordon, when ISO was the dominant way to play in the NBA, you never switch against that because you don't want your point guard ending up on LeBron. Or your, you, don't want, uh, you, know, you don't want your center at that point ending up on, you know, you don't want Eric Dampier end up guarding the other team's point guard. I mean, you just, you, just didn't, you just didn't switch back then because you were so vulnerable in the ISO game. Then enter the Warriors, who... I don't want to say reinvent the game because that's certainly not true, but but bring back the team style of mm-hmm. basketball where it's no longer we're just going to ISO against the other team. Now it's this team concept, which, of course, the Jazz have, have added their own flavor there too. But then all of a sudden switching defense becomes really, really effective because you're taking out that team part. And so it forces you to do something maybe that you don't want to do. Or like, at least you're trying to. Like play <laughs> ISO basketball. So my keys in this series, Gordon, is when Rudy has a significant mismatch, he needs to take advantage of it. And they need to hunt the best matchup for Donovan Mitchell. So whoever you determine on the floor is the guy that Donovan can beat the easiest. Set a pick with his man. And then let Donovan go to work. Those are going to be the two key factors. And, and by the way, that could go for Jordan Clarkson. And, you know, when Mike Conley returns, Mike Conley as well. Your guys that are dynamite off the bounce, you know, scorers and shooters for that matter. Get them the most advantageous matchup with the screen and then let them go to work. It, it, and then when the Clippers adjust, then the blender comes back and all right. that sort of thing. But you have to make them abandon that. And they're going to make the Jazz do that. So, without Mike Conley, it becomes more difficult. You have fewer players that can do that. Right. Well, one fewer player. This, this puts an absolute highlight on Donovan Mitchell. And you don't want to throw too much pressure on a guy. He already knows he's the offensive star of the Jazz, so he expects it of himself. So, maybe there, it's impossible to put too much pressure on him. But he's going to have to have good games against this defense. Going to have to. And you know, I as I've looked at it, you can you can still drive and kick. You know, if you get the a favorable matchup and you go and you get somebody else that's jumping in there to a, what they call that digging. You know, then you you can still move the ball to an open man who should be open now because most players can't cover two guys at once. But that's the hard part. That relies on you beating your guy. They're not going to adjust. Unless you beat your guy. Yeah. And in traditionally the Jazz offense, you beat your guy by having a pick set and the other team having to go over the pick or, well, I mean, under it. And we've seen Donovan Mitchell make teams pay for that. But you have to play that pick and roll. The, that's the beauty of the switch is you just switch. So you've got no advantage coming off the pick. So that's the hard part is how do you beat the guy in front of you to make the defense have to adjust and leave that open guy? That's, well, that, is yeah. the, that is the challenge. Well, it's a matter of 
talent. <laughs> like, and athleticism, got, yes. You've got to have the talent to do it. And that's part of the reason the Jazz have, uh, have moved to what they're doing and with the players that they're doing. So we'll we'll see how it turns out tonight. I'm I'm fascinated by it, and and the two the two stars, the two jazz stars, I think are absolutely stars are always pivotal, right? But tonight, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have to have big games. In oh, however, in you different define ways, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in different ways. I you know defensively for the Jazz, Gordon, and I know this is really the concept of the Jazz defense, so it shouldn't be all that difficult. They've got to find a way to feed the Clippers to Rudy. Chase him off the three-point line, make him take mid-range shots, or dare to go into the belly of the beast. Okay, so what do they do if if uh, they don't have uh, Zubat on the, on the floor and they put Nicholas Batum in and he goes more outside? Does Rudy go out with him? So, interesting question. It'll be curious. That's one of the things that'll – if it were me – I'll tell you what, I like, and I'll, we'll harken back to a previous series with the Jazz, I like taking my chances with uh, adjusting Batum taking a three than I would Clint Capella dunking. Yeah. So if Batum's in the game, Rudy can help. He can help big time because there's not the lob behind him because that's just not Batum's game, right? So, you know, maybe if Batum's in the dunk spot, he gets some of those. But remember how deadly that was with Capella when Harden would get into the lane, Rudy would help, mm-hmm. and then it was just an automatic dunk for Houston. And we've seen teams do that. If the Clippers go away from Zubats, though, they don't have a player to do that, which I think actually empowers Rudy. But then if you play Zubats, then you can't play the switchy D. So right. this is one of the things the Clippers are going to have to figure right. out. Right. And – I have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna see the switching D. <laughs> Some I agree with you until the Jazz force them out of it. Yeah, which they could do tonight. I mean, if they go out and put up 120 on them tonight and and win the game handedly, and that defense didn't work, and Donovan and Rudy have 30 and 20, the Clippers are gonna do something else in game two. You know, I, as I watched the final two games of the Clippers and the Mavs, I hated what the Mavs were doing. You know. Just giving the ball and get out of uh, the way. to Doncic and just let him try to figure it out. <laughs> I just I don't like that style of basketball. Either does Kristaps Porzingis. <laughs> either either do most teammates who play on that style of team. Yeah. You think on those Rockets teams where it was all hard and all the time? You think anybody actually enjoyed playing on those teams? Okay, so who can do that? Uh, Doncic can do it. Harden, I guess, can do it. Who else can do that? LeBron, maybe. Well, who's capable of it? Because yeah. I, I mean, would Steph be capable of that? But that's just not how the Warriors yeah, play. Even if, even if, even if you have players who are capable of doing that, I still, it's not a good. Is it look. a good idea? Yeah. Right. And 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 the Clippers figured it out, and they, they made it very difficult for the Mavs. Obviously, well, they, they couldn't, have they couldn't close out on a three-two lead. Well, if they have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Pactor Beverly, I would hope they would figure it out. So you bring you got to guard one guy, and you got those three guys for you, crying you, out loud. Yeah. That series went. How did it go seven? I don't know. Good heavens! But you bring up Beverly. Uh, how much is he going to play? Is he going to be on Donovan Mitchell? Is that going to be their answer? I. I've said this for years. Uh, if I were the Clippers, I'd just rotate. I'd just say, Kawhi, you've got Donovan uh, for a couple. You know, Paul, go take your turn. And Patrick Beverly, throw him a different look. i just rotate those three. As quick as Kawhi is, can he stay with Donovan? 
He stays with most everybody in the league. He's pretty, he's pretty good. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> On a one-off situation, sure, Donovan can beat Kawhi Leonard. But, I mean, if that if that's the head-to-head matchup all game, that's, that's tough sledding. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it turns out. But, you know, you always talk about the, your, your preference for the two-way player, and maybe that's uh, obvious. Coaches all around the league have a preference for that. But when the when the Clippers have two guys yeah. who are absolutely elite in that regard, at least they are normally. Kawhi definitely in the playoffs. Playoff Pete, uh, not not as much. Although yeah. he has been doing all right lately. And by the way, maybe we don't see uh, a ton of Patrick Beverly in this series. He is offensive, uh, offensively a little bit liable. And as you pointed out yesterday. Uh, um, the Clippers are all about the three, so maybe we see more Reggie Jackson than we do, say, Patrick Beverly, which will be interesting because if the Clippers want to trade baskets, I would guess that the Jazz are more than happy to trade baskets the way that they play. Yeah, well, both of these teams. So, I mean, yeah. well, well, look, the Jazz, what were they? They were third in offense, third-rated offense, and fourth-rated defense. The Clippers were the fourth-rated offense and the eighth-rated defense. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe they were the eighth-rated defense. Seems like they should have been better. Than well, that. maybe that's because their players are missing. And they're not playing a, a, they're, a bunch of games. Load yeah. Management, yeah, yeah. When you've got uh, you know Luke Kennard out there trying to d up, it's a little different than <laughs> that, Kawhi Leonard. You know, that's what I mean? another reason everyone should root against the Clippers. You don't want that to work. Yes, yes, I agree. In fact, we should have kind of been rooting against the Raptors when they won it because that just proved the theory, yeah. right? Yeah. That's if you don't like load management, if you don't like buying tickets to a game and not seeing star players play, then you're going to be rooting against the Clippers. Yeah. Even if you're not a Jazz fan, you should root against the Clippers. Root against the Clippers. Yep. I, I agree with that. So, what do you expect out of game one? I mean, it's going to be tough with, uh, with no Mike Conley. Obviously, it's going to be tough. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I mean as far as who's going to win and who's going to I I don't I don't know. I've been very impressed with the way the Clippers have played in these last couple of games. Not so impressed by what I saw in some of the games prior to, but the Jazz have been watching what's happening. They've been resting, practicing, being able to get right. They they probably those players knew and the coaches probably knew Mike Conley wouldn't be available. So they've been working without him uh, probably uh, for uh, throughout. So, uh, you know, you would think the advantage would be with the Jazz. They are favored, right? I, I haven't seen the line on tonight's game. I'm not a, I'm not a gambler. Yeah, you so. bring it up a lot, though. I know. You, you put a lot of stock yeah, but in those, the Wizards. Those, they, those guys know, usually know what they're talking about. Yeah, or else they really. wouldn't have the... They're good at math. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. But they're not going to last in their job very long if they're wrong a whole lot. You mean... Calculating how much money is on one side as opposed to the other. <laughs> Wrong about that. To, yeah, they probably to, would lose their job. How to dupe the public? <laughs> they probably would. But the 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 fact remains that the, the good folks in Vegas aren't trying to predict anything. But yet everybody kind of misunderstands that. But whatever, it's okay. <laughs> Thank you. The Jazz are, are favored by your three. Tolerance. The so Jazz are favored by the three. The Wizard thinks they win by three. Well, is that what the line was originally said, or is it moved one way or the other? No, the wizard changes its mind often, doesn't it? I wonder why the wizard does that. He, may, what, he, what re, he rethinks mo- it, Jake. You know, as time, as, as tip-off grows near, 
when do they shut? When do they shut down that movement? When when can they no longer change the line? Right up the tip, I right think. up to the very last second, huh? All right, forgive my ignorance as far as gambling goes. I don't bet on sports. I have friends who bet on sports. You just, I know you shouldn't bet on on sports. Actually, I think that's a good thing for well, you for a variety of reasons. But if you take the favorite every time. <laughs> I wonder how that you're works. You're not. You're gonna end you up losing. You take the favorite every time. You usually. You think you win more than not? Uh, no. Oh, hence the balance. Yeah, I think you. You probably at some point will end up taking a beating. Yeah. How do people do that then? How do they? How do they make a living that way? Well, usually the sharps make a living going the other way as the public. So. <laughs> So your whole your whole mentality. I don't know if how if you would make a ton of money in the gambling world. So you do make you make money betting on the on the dog. You can, yeah, going against the public certainly. Mm. All right, and then the depending on the amount that you bet, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you get one long shot that can over, you know, that can over make ten other losses. That's right? true. Yeah, I guess. All right. Thanks for the th- thanks for the tutorial. I appreciate it. Well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry we feel need to go there. I just feel well, like when, uh, we when fell people, into that because we were talking about. I just think know. when people think of like these lines makers, they they honestly uh, see somebody in a dark room with their their hands <laughs> against their head, you know, going hum, Lakers minus five and a half, <laughs> run with it. <laughs> Well, yeah, but they sure seem to know who's injured and who's not before anybody else, don't they? Uh, it's their business to know, Gordon. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's the, it's the only reason we get injury reports, so I don't know uh, how plugged in they actually are. They're just on an email list. Well, Vegas thinks the public is going to favor the Jazz, apparently. Well, at the moment, maybe that's where the dough is coming in. I don't know. All right. That would indicate that. But, <laughs> but you know, the wizard is very mysterious. You never know. <laughs> Do you know a wizard? Do you <laughs> know anybody who has... <laughs> you know anybody with a... <laughs> I'd be in a different line of work if I knew a wizard. <laughs> I'd be doing is. something else. <laughs> Oh man, sorry. Uh Gordon, can we can we mix in a little football news here for a second? Oh, sure. Uh Larry Scott gave an interview to the AP. Now Larry has till what the end of the month and then uh it's uh adios. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the first interview I've uh, I've seen from him really since the the news. And uh it's it's thorough Ralph Russo from the AP does it and Give it a read. It's 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 very very Larry Scott. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of spin, a lot of, a lot okay. of spin going yeah, well, on. But that's what we have come to expect. He out of Larry. He he was like a, a top. A little bit more aggressive though in in passing the buck a little bit, or at, at very least not being uh, so PC. He went after some schools in regards to football. That's the kind of the number one thing that stood out to me. I mean, he talked a lot about how the the conference really is in a good position to cash in in 2024 and well, the football was down, but the Olympic sports were great, you know, all those things mm-hmm. that, that we expect mm-hmm. to hear. He did say 
that he did not expect over his 11-year run the presidents and ADs to be such a revolving door. He said that was a problem. But this, I thought this was interesting. The question uh, that was posed to him, what do you think the Pac-12 could have done under your leadership to help better position the conference's football programs to be more successful? Can I guess what he said? Sure. He said what you always say, that it was up to the programs to get better, and they didn't. Part of the problem, yes. Here you go. I want to get your thoughts. He says, I'm sure looking back, we could probably identify some small things we uh, would have done differently, but all the strategies around football and other sports were in alignment with all of our schools and our football coaches. USC, Oregon, Stanford, Washington not getting to the playoffs more often or winning has very little to do with the conference office. Between compliance issues, coaching changes, and other things, some of our traditional powerhouses have struggled the last few years, and that's hurt the league overall. Now look, you could spin it that way if you want, but you also have to look at the fact that one of the reasons that the lifeblood of college football has uh, dried up a little bit with the Pac-12 schools is because nobody cares about the Pac-12 network. How much, though? Because there's a couple that, of leaps that to is, get there. I understand. But you understand. what I'm saying is that he can say that and he can blame it on the coaches, and, and, and he's right in part. But I think there's been a general uh, – th- there's a lot of talent on the West Coast. And there have been good football players who are leaving to go to what they consider better conferences where where there's a, uh, a greater interest in football. You know? So is that Larry's fault? Well, <laughs> some of the decisions that have been made have had some effect on that, in my opinion. Well, here, here's the thing. I, I think Larry Scott's leadership has been – I mean – <laughs> has been uh, craziness at worst and just buffoonery at best. Did right? they ever pay off that house for $1.9 million? Did they get that one paid off? What I a scam. Know. I mean, honestly, what a scam. He, he's set up for life uh, for from 11 years of just <laughs> bad leadership, my opinion. So, I, uh, hey, I'm, I'm no Larry Scott fan. But can Larry Scott help it that USC can't figure it out and they're <laughs> selling scholarships to celebrities and all this? Oh, but that didn't, and they, that didn't really have any effect they, on football. Come on. Well, they keep hiring ADs in-house because they wink-wink no score of the game, and but yet are just <laughs> dreadful uh, athletic directors no, who make dreadful hires. It's not all Larry Scott's fault. I mean, we can agree on that. We'll these, agree with these Larry universities on that. need to be better too. I, I, I understand that, but the conference as a whole needs to be better because if you if you go to a pack, let's say I'm a five star athlete and I want to play for a championship, well, I I look at the Pac-12 and I think whatever's going on there, I, I, eyeballs aren't watching me. So maybe I'll get less attention. And that really does work. People think, oh, you know, pro football scouts, they, they'll find you. If you're good, they'll find you. Well, I'm amazed at how often they get caught up in some of the, the dressing the hoopla. involved in the whole thing. It happens a lot. I'll it agree does with happen. that. Yeah. And, and, if, and if you're, you know, so it, 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 I don't know. I, like I said, I'm not going to blame Larry Scott for everything that went wrong. You're right. Hire the right coaches and get the job done at the ground level. But I think that the overall perception of the conference and the, uh, the lack of eyeballs on the conference, and, and maybe, and this probably isn't Larry's fault, but the, uh, you know, I mean, 
these teams don't draw the way teams in the Midwest and the Southeast do. You know? So, great schools. But that's not Larry's fault. No, I know. I know. The, see, I, I have an issue with, with these universities who poorly run their athletic departments who can't achieve what some SEC schools do. And, and here's the part where I do agree with you. It helps that you have um, uh, an, like, uh, an unexhaustible amount of support from the fan bases and you're selling tickets at whatever you want to charge for them and TV networks can't wait to broadcast your games and, and I I agree that and Uncle that Phil does, can't pay for that, everything that does have you know? a, it matter but but speaking of Uncle Phil uh, you know they hired Mark Helfrich I mean they took Chip Kelly had a and, and Chip's a you know a whole different story but he had a ready made to go stud program in Oregon where it catapulted him to the NFL and they made a bad coaching hire and they haven't even they haven't recovered from that yet. You know, USC, what a joke. USC has uh uh um uh what am I what am I thinking um um Ogeron as their interim coach after a bad hire mm-hmm. and they end up not keeping him to make a bad hire and he goes somewhere <laughs> else and wins a national title. That's a good point. Kevin Sumlin, what a disaster. I mean, that that gets back to some other universities. You can't – why can't UCLA get a football program off the mat? Why, the, the, why can't yeah. – because it's poorly run. Well, they don't have – you know, it depends. Do you think that money translates into winning? I think it's part of the equation. It is not everything. If you have strong leadership, you guys who make good decisions, you would think that the money – that, and, and that deficit of money does probably make a difference in some cases. Now, Oregon, a place like that where you have a, a, a facility up there that uh, is like without rival, right? I mean, maybe maybe there are some places that are just as nice now, but you have some resources there that maybe some schools don't. But some of the Pac-12 schools, their their facilities. I don't think line up with what's elsewhere. Well, on that point, Gordon, here, let's look at Utah for a second. Utah it was in the Mountain West in the WAC days, was absolutely used to turning a nickel into a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was the way they had to run their athletic department because they didn't have the spoils and, and had to run it lean and mean. So is it any coincidence that they go into the Pac-12 and financially I have been very uh, conservative and, and appropriate in tackling the things at the proper time and, and prioritizing where they spend their money to smartly do so and to have enough left over to have the highest recruiting budget in the league that's that's running that's efficient running where you know sure if you give utah an extra 15 million dollars they're they're uh, gonna find a, uh, some use for it but yeah. really they're doing fine they're not upside down they're not leveraged they're they have enough left over to have an incredible recruiting budget wit is compensated salary wise very well yeah. certainly fairly so is however Larry, utah's not winning any national champions but utah is is punching above their weight I mean, two division titles in the last three years. Yeah, but they haven't won a, a, a conference championship, and they haven't been invited. And now we're talking about we're talking about a high level of college but football. But that's here. my point. Utah probably shouldn't be there yet, and they've been very, very competitive in the Pac-12. Where Arizona, they have never won it, right? And that's going back to the seventies. <laughs> it hasn't been that long for the Cats, huh? When when was the last time the Mighty Beeves won it? When was the last time the Beeves were were 
even a thought in the league when they accidentally upset USC way back in the day with that uh, running back that was about three and a half feet tall. <laughs> what was his name? Jacquez Rogers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, and by the way, he was really good. Yeah, I back then, I was a Beaver believer. But I, don't know. I mean. It, it, to your point, the standard is really high, and I think Utah has overachieved. And I think part of the reason they've overachieved is because they've managed their programs extraordinarily well. You, but, but see, what you, you're complimenting Utah for something other teams in the league have done as well, but they're still being criticized for not quite being good enough. But the other teams, a lot of them have way more resources than, than Utah does. Do they? I don't know that. UCLA has a 100,000-seat stadium. Yeah, but UCLA. <laughs> but see, the fact that you have that opinion is is what's ridiculous about that. SC, I'll follow that. SC, Oregon, maybe Washington. I, I haven't looked at what these schools have coming into their coffers. But, and and uh, maybe from, Herm? From, from boosters or whatever. Maybe Herm in, uh, down in Phoenix has, has harnessed some untapped potential out of that program, and we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, it, it, these universities can point the finger at Larry Scott all they want, and he is a buffoon. But they, <laughs> they have some responsibility yes, for how things are going. I agree with Let's you. put our head on straight yeah. and, and hire some people with half a brain who can go out and maximize the potential of these universities. How do you think the overall attitude is in the Pac-12 about paying head coaches a bazillion dollars? Well, at Cal, do, do they think, have no stomach for it because they have no money. <laughs> do you think there's like this collision between athletics and academics? Uh, there's probably and, some of that, some, but I don't, I'm not familiar enough to know. Yeah, I don't know either on that one. I mean, Stanford seems to have no problem paying Shaw, so... What's he? Does he make a lot? Uh, do they publish that since it's a private school? No, but you can go around and look at some tax stuff and figure out what neighborhood it's in. He's doing fine. Isn't Kyle like in the top 12 in the country or something he's like that? He's up there. Yeah, he's I, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know that for a fact. I thought I saw a list where he was really high. Which he should be. He runs a heck of a program. And Utah can afford to compensate but it's him. Still, but Utah is still, I mean, if, if every team in the league was like Utah, we'd still be criticizing the Pac-12. I don't know. I, because I, they're, not getting into, they're not getting into the playoffs. I think if they would be. I think they would be. I think if USC were properly run, I think if Oregon made uh, some good hires, and, and hey, the, the jury's you know still out on their current situation. They've been pretty good, or at least it, it appears they're on the upswing. So maybe that's... Maybe that's the case. Well, but, my, my, but, my point in, in bringing Utah into that is not to criticize the Utes. It's to say that what the Utes have done hasn't made a dent in the, in the, uh, in the, in the level of football that we're talking about when it comes to criticizing the Pac-12 because they haven't achieved that level. But I think they've performed consistently high. I don't think there's any criticism that should come the Utes' way for the Pac-12's lack of achievement. But if every, like I said, if the best team in the Pac-12 was at Utah's level right now, we'd still be criticizing them. Well, you'd hope you'd uh, produce some national title contenders. Just because of the advantages that SC and Oregon have? Is that why you feel that way? Yeah, it, just like it, that, okay, so Alabama if, and Georgia so, press so, their okay, advantages. So if SC and Oregon and Washington are run at, at Utah's level— as far as decisions and uh, you know overall leadership, would they be in the in the conference champion? I, I mean, would they be in the uh, the playoff? I mean, it might be going out on a limb, but I would say yes. 
I mean, Witt has Pertnier done it at Utah. Pertnier doesn't get it done. Yeah, but he was one game away from it. What, like well, two well, years well, ago? We, well, we've been criticizing the Pac-12 because they've only had those two teams get into the playoff in all these years, and Utah's never done that. Okay, this is going to come off as condescending, and I, I kind of mean it to be, but I think you'll get my point. It's little old Utah, man. Oh, come on. See, it's, I, it's little old. Listen, Utah does not. Little not little old Utah. Utah's a great school. It is. It, it is. It, Don't it, get me it, wrong, it, it, but with, they do not have the built-in advantages of USC, Oregon, Washington, St- even Stanford. They don't, they're not starting from the same spot on the track. Well, we've been, how long have they been in? It's been like 11 years now, hasn't it? Thank goodness you don't cover the beeves. <laughs> Thank goodness you don't cover Oregon State, then you'd really have something to complain about. Well, they're they're busy up there working on like uh, I don't know forestry stuff. I don't know what they're doing. Well, up there. nobody up there covering the beeves is going. You know, well, you haven't won the league. <laughs> well, then they well, just so come on. They just, they just upgrade the league. Then they just upgrade all their facilities. They want to win a game. <laughs> I actually really like their coach up there right now. I think he's he's doing some good things. But my, you give him a point. I, I get your point, but I think it's a bit of a stretch. How? Because you're complimenting Utah for doing the same things that the other teams in the league are doing, for which we're criticizing them. And you're saying, well, that's because they have they have, their starting uh, starting point was higher than Utah, Utah does more with less. Fact. I don't know. Does Utah? I mean, I mean. Spence Eccles has done a lot for that program. The Huntsman's have done a lot for that pro- and program. And how many Eccles and Huntsman's uh, does USC have? Well, yeah, that's a strong, that's a strong or argument. Or Stanford, for that matter. But or I don't UCLA. Know. Oregon has Uncle Phil. I don't know. Who knows who does, went to does, Washington? Does UCLA have a bunch of boosters who want to throw money at that football program? They certainly do with the basketball program. And why can't you deflect some of that energy to the football program? UCLA is just... They should be ashamed. <laughs> ashamed that they can't get up off the mat. That is an embarrassment. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what would be what would be really good is if, it, and this has nothing to do with being a fan or anything, just if what you're saying is true and the Utes are run properly, then win the damn league and go to the playoff. Which, and show, show everybody else the way to do it. I'm sure Witt would tell you, I'm trying, Gordo. And we're, <laughs> we're, we were darn close. <laughs> Uh, you know what they say about close. Seriously, you need to move to Corvallis. <laughs> you need to write about the beeves. This needs to happen. No Go to move to Pullman. You need to write about Washington State. And oh be like, why? Gosh. Why can't these football teams win the league? I've been to Pullman. That's fine. Right? You can't tell me it's it's the same recruiting to Pullman as it is to L.A. Just like Some it's people, not the same recruiting Some to Salt like Lake Apple Country. <laughs> I don't know. Do you like livestock? Come to Corvallis. <laughs> do you like, do you really like the cold winters? Do you like the Sunset Strip? Come to USC. It's a little bit different. <laughs> well, then, okay. Then how do you okay, like? Then how do you like to me? If that's true, then how come Gonzaga is so good at basketball? Basketball is a different animal. You don't need nearly as many players. Well, they sure seem to have a lot of them up there. Well, yeah, you have to field a team of twelve as opposed to a team of. 80. <laughs> okay. In a sport where one person makes all of the difference, let alone two people. Well, they have a whole lot more than that. They're getting it done somehow. Are Ra- we encouraging programs to cheat? 
That, well, I mean, when it comes, if you want to bring cheating into it, those bigger universities have more resources to cheat too, <laughs> and even so, take more excuses away. All right, but Utah should be held to the same standard as USC. Well, I didn't exactly say that, yeah. but you know, it, it but means- what? I, I don't know, though. You know, all I know is what Norm Chow told me, and that is that SC gets what SC wants uh, financially. Uh-huh. But, but I don't know how Utah compares with the other programs in the league as far as, you know, booster dollars and all that stuff. I want to remind you about our friends at Rough Tough. Rough Tough sets the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fit seat covers for the make, a model, and year of your vehicle. And do some business with a Utah company since 1976. Check them out today. RoughTough.com. That's RoughTough.com. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.